The message you are about to listen to is from the Household of David Mercy Conference 2021, themed Peace. Be blessed. Amen. Let's just say a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. Thank you we have this opportunity. We thank you for your, the mighty presence of your spirit in this place. He's evident in our midst. We thank you because he's here to glorify Jesus. I ask that by his power, all trans will be granted. I will speak as your oracle. Your word will go forth in simplicity but in accuracy with power that the grace of God will be ministered into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may all be seated. All right. And um, I must congratulate the church for your successful conference. I've been watching it. It's been a very powerful conference. And to see this amount of people on Saturday morning this early. All right. <laughs> shows a deep commitment and hunger for the things of the Spirit. Also, I'd like to thank your pastor for inviting me. You know I like him, all right? Okay? And um, I like him personally. I told his wife that when he said he has been a teacher for 10, 20 years, when he said 20 years, he made me feel old. <laughs> all right. But I just checked Actually, I've been on television for 17 years. All right? So, it's actually true that I didn't know I'd been that long. Amen. All right, so this morning I'm supposed to speak to you, everybody as ministers, all right, as people who are um, talking about the things of or what we'll call the work of the ministry. Uh, the Bible tells us that the fivefold ministry gifts have been given uh, to us, or has been, have been given for the perfecting of the saints so that they can do the work of ministry for the edification of the body of Christ. And so, fivefold ministry are to equip the saints. And then the saints are to do the work of ministry and to bring about an edification of the entire body of Christ. That's why it says elsewhere that the effectual working in the measure of every part. In other words, every single part of the body of Christ has a measure on the inner side of grace and growth will come by the effectual working of that measure that exists in every part. Just like every organ within the body and every cell within the body contributes something to the development of the whole, so it is with the body of Christ. Every single member has that contribution all right, to make. So I will speak from that particular paradigm there uh, in terms of equipping all of us for the work of the ministry. And this morning I want to speak on a transitions, all right, transitions in ministry. I strongly believe that we're going through a season of transition and uh, that uh, the COVID 
um, um, season that we went through that the entire world is emerging out of, that there was some spiritual significance, all right, to it, that God uh, used it uh, to open up our eyes to see certain things, uh, to bring us to a place where we understood that certain things we felt we couldn't do ministry without were not as necessary as we thought, and also to open up our eyes uh, to see, all right, uh, certain things about ministry. Uh, anytime there is this kind of depression in the world, it always initiates in order to revive the hearts and the spirits of people. God always does a fresh outpouring of his spirit as the voice of healing movement came out of the, you know, the travail that went on throughout the world war and something emerged out of that. And it has been the pattern of the Spirit of God. So we do believe that certain things uh, will begin to emerge out of the church and also even emerge, all right, in the corporate space as a result of the adjustments that were made. And so we're talking about transitions, and that will mean a change. And a change is something that the human nature resists. Jesus Christ said, no man, and he created us. So when he said, no man, in other words, no human being, haven't tasted the old, straight away desires the new. That they always say the old is better. So it has to take some push from God to take people out of the trappings of the old and for them to accept the new. And it is this change that occurs is what Peter referred to when he says some people say God is slack concerning his promises, but that God is not slack but he is not willing that any shall perish, but that they shall come to repentance. In other words, repentance, there is that change, that renewal, so that he doesn't pour, because the Bible says, you cannot, oh, my bishop has arrived. Let's welcome Bishop Francis. Amen. So, Jesus said that you cannot pour new wine into old wineskins. Uh, that you've got to change the wineskin uh, in order or else the wine is going to be wasted and uh, the wineskin is going to be broken. And that's why Peter also said, all right, uh, God is not, he's not willing that any should perish. In other words, if that new is poured out, without some adjustment being made in the wineskin. Uh, when he talks about new wineskin, it's not saying a brand new wineskin. It's talking about a renewed wineskin. 
In other words, the wineskin has to go through some renewal because it has taken the shape of the old and so it has to be made flexible again so that it can take the shape of the new that is coming. And once that new has entered in, when God wants to do another thing again, then we have to, all right, make that wineskin flexible again so that it can take the shape of the new. So I'm talking about these transitions here, all right? When something uh, God wants to change the people in order to be able to do the new thing that he wants to do within their lives. And when he does something new, he multiplies impact, and it's all about increasing fruit without necessarily expending more energy. In other words, he even decreases the activities that you do, but increases your impact and the value, all right, of your ministry and its impact. What do I mean by that? Jesus said, and if branch in me that bears fruit, he purges it that it might bring forth more fruit. In other words, this COVID season helped us to see that maybe there are things that we are doing that actually were not really necessary. And in fact, when you increase your activity too much, what you are doing is you are diluting the very ones that are bringing results. In other words, if there's some substance that is bringing results and I start adding water to it, I am diluting it and reducing the effect of what is really producing results inside my ministry or inside my life. So God says, I will show you things and, uh, and, and I will open up your eyes and, and uh, you know, there will be changes that will be made. So I'm going to put up a graph here, and it's called a production cycle graph. If they can put it up. All right, now it's a natural graph here, and I'm sure you understand if you incorporate world, or even, even cells in the body have what you call a biological life cycle. All right? And so they have that cycle they go through. And I'm going to show this, that this is also true in the realm of the spirit. So you have the introduction or the birth of something, or a person, and then you have the development and growth of that person or that organization, that institution. And then when it comes to the point of maturity, that's where it can now fulfill its purpose. In other words, Jesus grew and didn't do anything until he got to the place of maturity. And please understand this for people who believe that you are called, all right, into ministry and many young people, if you are listening to me, social media is killing ministry. Because what is going on is that you can easily have an Instagram live, you can go on Facebook and teach, and people are doing that and opting out of the process of growth, all right, where you are in church, where when you are growing, even if you are called to sing, the leader inside that ministry is at liberty to put you in the tape ministry, is at liberty to put you in the car park, all right, uh, to do traffic, 
And you say, well, if I'm called to sing, I'm called to teach. What I should do is foundation of faith class. And I should be teaching in believers class. No, sir. They can put you in ushering because what should happen is growth and character development, not the exercise of your gift. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what should be going on. And so because social media now has opened up the door, you see people opting out of that process and saying that I'm doing Instagram live, I'm doing this, and they start teaching, all right? And you are doing that until the time of maturity where your other folks that are not doing anything now get to maturity and God launches them into real ministry and things begin to happen and you are stuck there teaching and you've missed the major season in your life. And one of the worst things is to go back to class one as an adult. Do you understand what I'm saying? So social media, please hear this. All right, there's a lot of sorcery going on on social media. So people are being pushed out of position. All right? Now you've got to understand, Jesus did not do anything in ministry until he was mature. All right? One time I was with the gospel minister, Sinaj. And she was coming from South Africa we were on the flight. And I said, oh, well, let's talk. And so I sat with her and we were talking. And, and I said, so she went to record her album. And I said, so is this your, because I thought she started, the first album was, um, um, what's that song now? Um, I know who I am. You know, all right. when she, she said, no, seventh. I said, what happened? Aha. She said, I've been recording. Nobody just heard me. All right? And then she made a statement. She said, you know, talked about background and said, her pastor at that particular point in time just told her there's something you don't travel, don't go anywhere, and saw it. All her friends, uh, seven of them traveled, but he saw it. And then he said, he started posting me from one department to another department, even though he was singing. And then she said, it's all that knowledge that I got in all those other departments that I'm making use of now. The only department I have not served, and I can proudly say this, inside the body of Christ is singing because nobody will allow me. All right? But I've been an usher. All right? I was an usher 1987. Reverend Emiko came to preach in New Great Hall, University of Lagos. I want you to understand history. The head usher, no, the the worship leader was Pastor Taiwo Dekoya. Worship leader. The head usher has a ministry in Lagos today. Are you following me? I've ushered. When Household of God was opened in Ikeja, I was the transport secretary. February 1, 1987. I've done traffic. I have been Liberian. I, I have dubbed tapes. The only ministry they've not allowed me to do is singing. Now, all that knowledge comes to play when you stand behind the pulpit. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Yeah. All that because you just feel that, you know, I'm called. The next thing is I must carry the microphone and then I must begin to teach. Nobody's allowing me. Nobody's allowing me. Nobody. Look, the churches where I got born again, the two churches, they didn't, they never invited me to speak in those churches. Never. I never desired it. I never asked for it. They never asked me, are you following what I'm saying here? Yeah. So they don't have to allow you to share if you are called to be a pastor. Joel Austin's first message was after his father went home. Was, was the, just the first message was the Wednesday before his father went home to be with the Lord. And he grew, so he had never, all he was was in the tape department recording stuff. 
and had the largest church in America in, in question of years, few, two, three years. So you don't have to be doing junior preacher to become the senior preacher. All right? So understand this so that you don't allow social media to confuse you. All right? And you go on Facebook and say worldwide ministry. Don't let it confuse you. All right? So there's a point of birth, and then there's a point of growth there. What you have to be doing is growing and developing your character. Being panel-beated inside the church. Picking off offense and forgiving. Do you understand this? That's what you need. All right? Then you come to the point of maturity. And when you come to that point, then God begins to open up doors. Now, if you do not, and you are in haste, let me tell you what's going to happen. When God opens up the door for your generation, you will not be there, and you will know in your spirit that I was supposed to be here. That's what the Bible says, God forbid it happens to you, Esau, that when, when the, when you will know when the door has been opened. Because you will find a generation that enters into it at that point in time. Okay? So you get to the place of maturity where fulfillment. Where God said of Jesus, He is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And so the time comes for the fulfillment of that purpose. Now, so you will have that flattish area there where when you get to maturity now this also happens in cycles you get to maturity here and you are now ministering and you fulfill all right the purpose for that season now once the purpose of that season is fulfilled you have got to transit into the next season which will take you back to the place of birth growth again if you don't make that transition, then a decline is going to start. When the decline gets to the end, that ministry is in extinction. So you may have heard of big names in the past, grew to the point of maturity, fulfilled for a season. Jesus himself said, after three years, it has ended. What I am supposed to do has ended. Not that my ministry has ended. I'm transiting now to the right hand of the Father to become high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Less visibility, multiplied impact. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Now, so when you get there, you have to pivot. And that's where I can become very, and it happens at various levels. All right? So it happens at various levels. Okay? All right? That's various levels. We have to teach it in a basic way, so don't let me say something. But it happens at various levels here. So what I want to talk about is there's growth here. You get to that point, and then it's time, all right, for you at that particular point to pivot. For Jesus said, listen, listen, the time has now come, all right, to, to go through that transition. Now, what kills people is that everybody will be calling you a success. Even if your time and the, your, 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 you are getting to the point of decline, which means everybody says you're a success, you're a success, you're a success, and you're very successful. That's how people say it. Until, until you may even miss purpose. People will be saying you are successful until you are sliding down the slope. And men can be terrible. 
I beg, he's finished. Yesterday, they were saying you are successful. Today, Ichabod, the anointing has gone. So, when you get to this point of maturity, you have to pivot without there being any decline. So, how are you going to get to that particular point? This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. In other words, what begins to happen is what happened to Jesus starts happening inside your heart. You start experiencing uh, as a person heaviness inside your spirit. You start being a sorrowful inside. Not that anything is going wrong on the outside. Everybody on the outside is saying to you that you are doing well. You are doing well, but listen, I do not believe there is anybody that is called of God that people tell you you are doing well and whatever you are seeing on the outside matches the vision in your heart. Nobody. That is the natural estimate of man. Just to say you are doing well. So you can't get sucked in by that. There is something inside you that is yearning for greater expression, all right, in your own life. So what begins to happen in you is that sorrowing starts, and I explain this. You start getting heavy for no reason. All right? Everybody might still be enjoying, and everybody, everything's working, but you start feeling heavy. Uh, you are no longer as, enth- you know, thrilled about certain things again. You are now getting into the place, and what's happened, I'll show you in scripture, is the new child that is to be born has started to kick within your womb. There's no anything extra now. This is you as a person picking up some things in the spirit. And this calls, therefore, and if you are a business person, you don't have to, please hear this. The Bible tells us, and it was one of the teachings of reformation. If you are at work in your business, you are directly involved in ministry in that business. I don't, I don't want to digress. But if you look at Colossians, it says, when you go to work, do it as serving the Lord. Not with eye service as unto men, but as unto the Lord. It says, for you shall receive the eternal reward for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ on that duty. And it talks about you receiving your eternal inheritance. And that is where the dignity of labor comes in. And that's what happened in the old Protestant Reformation, where they made the laity understand that they were in ministry, even when if you are cleaning somebody's car, you are cleaning Jesus' car, not a human being's car. One day I was walking on the streets of Paris, and 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 I saw the attention to detail. People just in buildings. I said, why are they troubling themselves with all this? And someone talked about, I think was it one of the painters? He said he went into the, into, the, into the building ceiling and was painting deep. And they called him and they said, nobody will go that deep painting all these designs right there. Nobody's going to see it. It's covered. He said, my Lord Jesus sees it. 
That means you put things into place that nobody sees but Jesus. You know you're serving Jesus. Do you get what I'm saying? This is why we're not seeing, you know, people say, well, what's happening? That eternal inheritance where people, because people are doing things for people. And they are doing it for money. And they're not doing it as unto the Lord. So you go that extra mile in what you're doing. And so you can be a business person and when that shift is about to come, I mean, let me just say this here, during this COVID here, when they announced COVID and they said pandemic and, and you know, and, you know, something even happened to me. I'm going to share it here. The second time I'll say it publicly. You know, so I, I was coming from England. It was March 13th and I landed on British Airways and I got there and then I started hearing rumblings that the first COVID person was on a flight from London, you know, to Lagos, you know, and the date was looking like my date. So I called one of the doctors in church. I said, help me find out from your colleagues in the airport. He called back. He said, Pastor, is your flight? Within one hour, there was an announcement. I know people didn't know anything about COVID, about the virus, so everybody was scared. One of the government officials just announced, if you are on BA 74, March 13th, go into isolation now. We're in the office. It's your flight. I packed. And some other staff too that went to England for some things. We all went to our homes. Then people began to tweet. Give us the manifesto. Let's know the names of these people. <laughs> I said. We need the manifesto. You know, people are scared all the time. We need so that they will make sure they're in isolation. Put publish their names. Ah, I say they published my name. Because we landed on Friday, they announced on Monday. I did service on Sunday. They would say, Pastor, we just spread it to the whole of the church. Quarantine. I said, God. I started praying, God, God, help us here. <laughs> All right. Because everybody was scared. It felt it's one human. Everybody, you know, people thought it could go in the air if you touch it. Everybody, you know, there was all that kind of fear about it. All right. I know. But during that time, I started praying. I said, this thing has to go, Lord. It has to go. It has to go. Two weeks. God told me, he said, you better stop that prayer. And he showed me scripture. You know, when you pray, God answers you with scriptures. You know that. The answer to your prayer is not the manifestation. It's the revelation. You open the Bible and you see the answer. Then that answer you declare, then it manifests. That's the order. So I opened the Bible and I saw it. He said, it is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And if you go to your congregation and say, let's quickly pray two weeks. <laughs> you know, if a race is 5,000 meters and you give the impression it's 100 meters and everybody starts, you know, you are going to run very fast. By the time you get to 100 meters, there's no tape. Then they tell you that the tape is not in sight. The fact that you even have missed where the, you are already tired. By 150 meters, everybody will be over. So he said, the congregation will soon get tired. You better announce to them that this is a marathon and not a sprint. And the scripture he gave me was when Jeremiah prophesied 70 years. Another prophet came and said two years. He said, if you give a shortened prophecy, as they said, you would remove the, 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 the chains of wood and turn them to iron. And make it more difficult for them to survive the last 68 years. He said, now, so what's going to happen is, until this thing ends, I'm going to teach you things because to do ministry in this season, such that when the season is over, you'll have discovered certain things about ministry 
that will enlarge your coast. Are you following what I'm saying? So, I began to study what was going on. All right? So, you understand what's the prayer? God, preserve everybody. Let nobody be lost to this thing, but this thing will be hanging out and while you are teaching us deeper strategies. All right? So, there's multiplied impact when you come out. Okay? So, that's important. So, we get here to the point of maturity there. And so, you get to that heaviness inside your heart. Now, what's this heaviness about? Jesus spoke about it quickly. Let me get into it now. Jesus spoke, all right, about it. And the heaviness began to come in. In Luke chapter... Now, now... Now, we are supposed to, as Christians, pick up when seasons are changing. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 54 to 56. Now, we are supposed to pick this thing up by the Spirit of God. For all things the Spirit of God will do is show us things to come. Luke 12, 54 to 56. It says, and he said unto the people, when you see a cloud rise out of the west, straight away you say, there cometh a shower, and so it is. And then he said, when you see the south wind blow, you say there'll be heat, and it comes to pass. And then he says, there's, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you cannot discern this time? Now, I want to quickly say something about discerning the times and the season that is very important. All right? Luke chapter 21 and verse 34. Luke 21, why people miss this. Luke 21, 34 and 35. All right? It says this, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with suffering, drunkenness, cares of this life, that the day comes upon you unawares. Now, the reason why the day comes unawares, and people can begin to experience a decline and say what's going on, is because they, their hearts are overcharged. In other words, consumed. One of the meanings of suffering is overeating. All right? You can't just be eating anyhow to satisfy your body. You may not like this, but let me tell you the truth. Food is not a way you demonstrate prosperity. You hear what I said? You don't, it's not one of the ways you demonstrate you are successful. Food is not for pleasure, for strength. You heard what I said? Once you slip into the place where food is now something you are said I'm eating, the Bible says, what to a land whose king is a child? How do you know that person eats for pleasure and not for strength? Leadership, by your amount of food you eat three times a day, we can say whether you hear heaven or not. Please, look for the people who are doing great things in this country. You can ask Bishop as well, okay. Fasting is part of their life. Just think. Jesus didn't say, Paul said in, because people say that, you know, I'm a new creature of Christ, I don't need fasting. I don't know where people got all these things from. Jesus, when he was alive, they came to meet him. Why are your disciples eating abundant? Why is it that they're eating like this? He said, leave them. When I am gone, isn't that New Testament? He said, in that day, they, not that they may, they shall fast. Because when they cast out the demon and the demon looks at them and slaps them three times, they will say, what did Jesus do? We are not doing. 
The Holy Ghost loves fast. The first thing the Holy Ghost led Jesus to do was a fast. You hear what I said? First thing. To give into a fast. Or else you'll be filled with the Spirit, but you won't have the power of the Spirit. Are you following me? Alright? So when you are cast, number two, second thing before I move on. Your prayer points cannot just be about your own personal needs. You will miss God. You have to have times you just spend praying in the Spirit. Is there something you're asking God for? No. You are defying yourself. You are fellowshipping so that you can pick the seasons. So that you can pick the seasons. You are interceding for people. Interceding for the nation. Interceding for the church. Interceding for... It's not just yourself. You are opening that space so that the Holy Ghost can begin, all right, to minister to you. Or else it comes on away. So you will be asking, so, so what are these things they are talking about when somebody says, I, I was just heavy? Because, you know, you want what, what I say. Spend time praying and spread. And in this place of growth, that's one of the things you do. You spend time praying in the Spirit. Uh, you spend time exercising yourself. Uh, developing yourself for your most holy faith. All right, so people get overcharged. All right? So what begins to happen after sometimes having this bout here of dissatisfaction, of heaviness, of sorrow? Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 says this. Matthew 26 and verse 36. Jesus said, then come at Jesus with them to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray yonder. Next verse. And he says that, all right. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And then the next verse, it says this. And he said unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry here. There's where the transitions are made. In other words, he said, my soul is heavy and is sorrowful. Not because of anything. Not I heard news on the outside. Not because something happened on the outside. But he picked it up. There was, there was a major change that was coming. Dr. Lester Sumrall said, I entered into these groanings of the spirit at that level, three times in my ministry to shift it to the next level. In other words, he said, I went through three levels there. Right? And so there is that prayer, and you really don't know what it is. It, it is not clear to you, but you just know that there is a burden on the inside. John 16, 19 to 22. Jesus described it this way. And during this season, what you now start doing is withdrawing, all right, and spending time, all right. I'm not saying this because he's here. But the best book, best book on this subject is Bishop Wallach's Alone with God. I'm, I'm not saying, no, 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 I'm not, no, no, no. I'm not saying because he's here. That book was written in the spirit of prayer. That book tells the younger generation 
what they did to have the kind of ministries they have, alone with God. In other words, you withdraw from people. Look, they asked Kenneth Hagin, how do you increase? How do you increase? Okay? The manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit in your life. He said it is easy. The more time you spend alone with God without interacting with people is in the direct measure you have manifestations of the gifts increasing your life. So if I just hang it around people, Jesus, which is good, that's why Jesus, well, Jesus, if it's the pattern, the Bible says as his custom was, he would separate from people and be alone. Charles Finney said he was praying in his house and the Holy Ghost said, get up and go into the woods. He said, what's the difference? You see, don't let's be, you know, the younger generation, everybody just say, there's nothing I give, I pray. Uh, but Jesus said in Jerusalem, there's nothing, you know, we say, just juxtaposing scripture. Listen, before you bring any revelation, check the lives of the people, check the lives of Jesus or Paul, whether they were practicing it. Because they can't contradict to show whether your revelation is correct. If Jesus went to be alone, then there is nothing he would have taught to tell you that being alone is not part of it. If Paul fasted often, then there is nothing in his letters that says you shouldn't fast. If you read his letters and you bring out that there is no need to fast, you have read his letters wrong. And so we'll take you to what Peter said. Had to understand which some rest to their destruction is in the Bible. Some have read Paul and epistles and messed themselves up. The scripture therefore warns you that when you are reading Paul, don't just read it anyhow. The Bible tells you that. So check Paul's life. If you see that Paul practiced something, he didn't teach anything that contradicted what he practiced. If you say Jesus, except you say Jesus is changing. If you say Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, when was yesterday? Let's even say it's earthly ministry. So if Jesus withdrew, except it's not the same spirit of Jesus, do you understand what I'm saying? Or that Jesus has changed. So you withdraw. Better hear me well in the spirit. That is why Pastor Adepo's anointing dramatically increased when he entered the bush. I'm telling you the truth. Though. It was there, 19, 1980 camp meeting. Reverend Jerry Savell said it. Hagin got up after and said, he said, he said this. He said, Reverend Jerry Savell said it in the morning, I'm re-emphasizing it. The key so he said, I can increase the level of word of knowledge, word of wisdom in my life in one week. I withdraw from people. And with that, he was cautioning pastors because pastors will interact with people so much. You know, you're better. You can actually diminish the anointing. Are you following what I'm saying? Because Satan will just send people for counseling who have no, they, you don't, there's nothing you can say that can solve their problem the way their problem is but they will drain you. 
So when people send, send me mails now and say, we need, I need to meet with you, is it necessary? The first thing, is it necessary? Say what you want to say, I can, I can answer it. Paul, they said his letters are weighty and powerful. His bodily presence is weak, which means that they prefer his writings even seem more powerful. So my mails might communicate more wisdom than you see me physically. I've quoted scripture. So why do you want to see me? Because you just want to sit down in the office and waste time. And then do photo up. I want to go, let's, let's take a selfie. <laughs> so you begin to withdraw. All right? If you're a person in business and all that, and you're, you're working, you go to work and all of that, then cut off television time. Cut off Instagram time and just dedicate. That two hours every day I will spend time traveling. All right? Because... First of all, you've got to understand you're pregnant with something. If you ask a pregnant woman, are you pregnant? Yes. Is it a boy or girl? She doesn't know. That doesn't mean she's not pregnant. Will it be tall or short? She doesn't know. That doesn't mean she's not pregnant. Will it be light or dark? You don't know. That doesn't mean you're pregnant. That you can't define it doesn't mean you're not carrying it. People are too much in a haste without going through the birth process to go and say, you know, what's your five-year vision? And then you start saying things that God didn't show you. I don't call yourself a pastor if they say you already say you, you are look you, look 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 God called you whatever God called you to be he will lead you into it so don't define something before it is born are you following saying I know how God operates if he wants, you know, one, listen to me, the fellowship I became president of, God told me, he said, listen, don't ever push, don't ever ask anybody for meeting, don't do all of that. He said, I showed you from day one, when you were an unbeliever, when you were an unbeliever, in a battle, you and your friend, you decided, you said you were going to stay in a room in Mary Hall. He said, I orchestrated everything. You got a room, you 218 Mary Hall. The fellowship you are going to be president of in that campus started the day you entered into the University of Lagos and settled in your room in U318 Mary Hall. And the press, they had no chairs, so they asked, they came downstairs to ask for your chair. You gave them that chair your chair, and the president of the fellowship who started it, sat on that chair, and I was saying to you prophetically, you will one day sit. They took your seat. That seat is yours. I was an unbeliever. You don't need to cajole to get a door open. If God called you, he will come and meet you. Do you get what I'm saying? Don't start your ministry and on your card, Prophet James. What? Listen to me. You say what? Say, I just know I'm a prophet. So what now happens? Say, I'm Apostle Williams. Wait first. <laughs> Let me tell you this. If the anointing of Apostle is in you, people will call you an Apostle. They'll call you an Apostle. If they give you the mic and you're a teacher, you start teaching, they will know you're a teacher. Because it's an anointing in you that comes out. So John 16 here, verse 19. I have to rush you. John, you people pray, you pray, because there's serious utterance. All right, 
John 16, 19 here, it says, Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him. He said, Do you inquire among yourself, and this is what happens to you. A little while you see me, and a little while you see me not again. A little while you shall see me. All right? So what are you talking about? And then he went on in verse 20 and said, Verily I say unto you that you shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. You shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned to joy. Verse 21. It says, a woman when she's in travail hath sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she's delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for the joy that a man. In other words, that sorrow you're feeling is a child in your womb kicking, saying, I now want to come out. There is a new expression that must come out inside your ministry and your spiritual womb begins to contract. That is the sorrow, that is the heaviness you have to deliver that child. As soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth. Listen to me, gimmicks won't do it, copying other people won't do it, checking what other people are doing to duplicate it won't do it. You have to press through in the realm of the spirit because what God wants to bring out of your belly, no man's eye has seen, no man's ear heard, and the heart of no man conceived. Too much copying is going on now in this generation. Back in the day in the 80s, you went to sort of the spirit ministry, you were guaranteed to hear a sound. You left there, you went to scripture pastor, you heard a distinct sound. You left there, came to Lagos, to Christ Chapel, you heard a distinct sound. You left there, you went to Cardinal Living Faith, you heard a distinct sound. You left that place, came to Satellite Bishop, you heard a sound. It wasn't an echo. Wasn't an echo. So once you begin to feel that heaviness there, it is therefore time to pivot there. That might be how everybody else is doing it. But there now is time for you. Now you've got to understand that the biggest hindrance to that future is you. Your refusal to make changes and adjustments. Is you. In other words, you may want a great ministry, but the person blocking the great ministry is you. At subconscious levels. In other words, you have a, a belief pattern that is hindering it. You have doctrines in you that are hindering it. Uh, there's a way in which, so your mind has to be renewed. All right? As I said before, I poured the new wine in. We've got to change this wine skin. Therefore, I want to show you. I was teaching my leaders yesterday, and I told them, I said, listen to me. Many people come and they say, I want to know, I want to, I, I told them, I, said, I want to uh, see what is this person's secret to their success. And they come and look on the outside. I said, the secret to any person's Christian success in ministry is their prayer points. What are they praying is what you should ask. Because it is what is prayed in secret that is being rewarded openly. So you've got to go and find out. Go, listen to me. 
go and find out what they are praying. I mean, first year we did work back 2013, I invited Reverend Scott Webb. The wife was there. She used to work closely with Kenneth Hagin. She did a prayer meeting. She said, then in 19, they were about the second set in the school. So there were few. So they, Kenneth Hagin would come and do prayer meeting when they all be praying. She said, I moved close to him to hear his prayer point. He said he was praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit, he would stop and say, Lord, eyes that see and ears that hear. Eyes that see and ears that hear. Eyes that see. And throughout the entire year, all he was saying was, eyes that see, ears that hear. I said they declared 100-day fasts redeemed. Pastor Debe was publishing prayer points. That's what we're interested in. 21 days thanksgiving, or 30 days of thanksgiving, 30 days of asking for mercy. There are people that believe as new creatures in Christ, they don't ask for mercy. There is David that used to ask for mercy. <laughs> Go and find out what they're praying. So when this heaviness is there, what are you praying during that season to him? I want to give you a prayer point to pray there. Because Peter said, God is not willing that any should perish. That that promise he wants to fulfill. But it is change. That is, the vessel cannot hold what is coming. I was watching on television. They asked a woman, she was like, uh, you know, that you call madams with, you know, that give women to people. They asked, she said, so she ran trouble. I said, so who are your clients? She said, all of them can be described in one way men with disposable income. In other words, if cash hits and you have disposable income and you don't know what to do, you will do the wrong thing. If God has, so you can say, oh God, I need a hundred million dollars. If a hundred million dollars hits you, uh, there are people that won't look at you if you are on BRT. Well, if you change your car and you're driving an expensive car, more eyes will look at you. People you didn't think you could talk to in your life will be greeting you. Before you are overwhelmed, ah, see, I didn't know they could greet me like this. And you think it is part of arriving. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there are things he has to take you as a person through. Because let me tell you this. The regret of destroying success is worse than not succeeding. You know, you can live in regret and say, I didn't succeed. But if you became very successful and you destroyed, that pain is too much. So God says, I have got to, because what I want to pour into your life is in abundance. You will have much more than you can use. It has to be clear in your mind. All kinds of people will come, all kinds of people. In fact, I remember I was telling the leaders, I said, listen, listen, you better know this very well. At the start of any ministry, the first attack you have is mockery. 
In other words, as Sambert and Tobias said, he said, even if a fox goes on this wall, it will collapse. Now, if you survive that, then an attack comes on the outside, which means let's destroy them. If you survive that, the next strategy is let us join them is infiltration. In other words, you've been praying for people to come, praying for people to come. After some time, the devil too now starts sending people. It is not your answer to prayer, but it's a strategy to disrupt your work. So people now, he says, well, let's join them. So if you're just open up everybody, so you must be able to know who the wolf is, who the herring is, who the sheep is as a shepherd. And I said, there are people inside our congregation that are herlings, and I have no problem with them. Because what they came for is money, and I give them money to make, they've said, we have a talent, we want money. I give you money. Because they are not harmful to the congregation. All they want is money. It will be wrong for me as a shepherd to expect them in an hour of crisis, or if there's something happens, right, where, the, where something happens and there's a pressure and people are trying to do something, for them to act like shepherds because they won't lay down their life for the sheep. They will get up and they will run away because they are here for money. But the dangerous person is the wolf. The herring didn't come in sheep clothing, but the wolf comes in what? Sheep clothing. And if you don't handle the wolf well, because he's in sheep clothing, people might think that that's how you treat sheep. Do you get what I'm saying? That's why if you sow tears with wheat, if you try to pull the tears out, the wheat will think this is how you treat faithful people. Because as a leader, you can spot what they cannot spot. So a shepherd has to increase the consciousness of the sheep to lead a wolf. In other words, when the wolf comes in, the shepherd, the sheep themselves know that this is not one of us. Because a wolf doesn't come to eat grass. A wolf comes to divide the sheep. A wolf is about power. The sheep is about so you can share what, that's not what the wolf came for. The wolf came for power. Alright? And that's why we saw this growth thing where you two are among the sheep. You learn a lot. That's where you learn. So that the day you become a leader, you already know you have intuitive knowledge about things. So you withdraw, you've got to understand that's the biggest hindrance to your future. Begin to spend considerable amount of time waiting on God. At that maturity level there, there's already some system of some sort to drive things without you having to push it. So you have more time to yourself to pray, to spend time in prayer with fasting. And what is the prayer that is going on? You are undergoing what is called the chastisement of God. In other words, God has started chastising you inside your heart. Okay? The chastisement of God is not on the outside, which means God doesn't chastise the Christian now by you, except you miss the signals within. That's when you now start having problems on the outside. But the first signal is within you. So God is chastising you. 
He's telling you that, listen to me, his hand becomes heavy upon you. That heaviness is the hand of God that is resting upon you, creating that heaviness, and he's saying, now, I, I want you, and it's a New Testament practice. So let me quote it from the New Testament before you say that it's Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. All right? Hebrews 12, 5. It says this, and you have you forgotten exhortation that speaketh unto you as children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. Verse 6. It says, For whom the Lord loveth, he does what? Chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you be, next verse, it says, If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is him who the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you what? Bastards and not sons. So he was talking about, it's called Hebrews, for, it's a letter written to Jewish people. And that letter, what he states, so he, was written, so he was talking about the culture of Jews. And this is what the culture of Jews was all about. What happened was that it was in the family. Everything, the greatness of Israel is reduced to what goes on in the family. The dynamics of the family. Leave everything on the outside. It's the family. The way they, they handle their families. And back then, you had what was called, all right, where the father comes out and says in a ceremony which is called adoption, where it's not that he adopts you into the family, it's that he now declares you as a mature son and says, this is a son in whom I'm well pleased, hear ye him. So among his children, he has to pick a child, one of his sons, who will carry the, the mantle of that family to the next generation and automatically a double portion comes upon that child. Automatically. But it takes all the children through training. Now, there were some that did not yield to the training of the father. Those ones, they don't give them inheritance. It's just like we say in Africa that any house that is prospering is because the bastard there is not. What they are saying there is that the one who is not listening to the father and is not taking correction has not come into power. If, he, he take, if one that doesn't take correction comes into power, okay, and this is important in leadership, all right, he says, why have I seen princes upon working as servants and servants working as rulers? How come wrong people get into position of power? He says the error comes from the ruler. In other words, this person had certain faults. You should have corrected those faults in the person. And you refused to correct those faults for emotional reasons. You kept promoting the person until that person slipped through the cracks and got into a place of power. Somebody was writing all kinds of joining people, talking nonsense about the church, about pastors. He used to be my assistant when I was on campus. And when I saw him writing, he still write, he respects me to tomorrow. When I tell him, he'll say, Pastor Day, but I knew it was my mistake. I knew, ah, this is my error. What happened? We grew up together, went to the same primary school in Badon, went to the same secondary school, went to the same university. Uh, my parents, my mother and his father went to the same university in Scotland. So we've known the family since 1952. He was an instrumentalist and we bought, they bought an expensive instrument, we bought instruments of fellowship. So there was this Fender Stratocaster that's for bass guitar. White, expensive. One day it broke. And I was used to be a very tough guy. I've chilled now. So in the fellowship, they didn't even know how to come and tell me that the bass guitar had, so they were saying, whispering. So they now told him that. He said, don't worry, we're classmates now. So he came and told me. 
but he used to play it. So next thing, the thing was broken. So keep fellowship going, and I'll be looking into a congregation, and because he could no longer play the instrument, he would be sad in the meeting. They would just sit down. Like, my bass guitar is broken. First week, second week. His only connection to the fellowship was the bass guitar. Do you understand what I'm saying? The only connection was the bass guitar. Now, the better nudging I had from the spirit was to leave him to sit down there until he recalibrates and gets back into the world. Because he had been made vice president because he was close to the other vice president who did it on friendly terms. So you can see that he had gotten into a place of influence, not based on intercession, prayer, and all this, but because of a... So now this was the challenge to correct that. And tell him, no bass guitar, if you can't have it, then don't do it. Go and look for something else to do inside the fellowship. I blinked. Because of family friend, I went to buy another expensive one, gave him, he became happy again. So when I saw him, God told me, you should have corrected him then. So many people that shout and do things, insult people, when they were really inside a small, that's why leadership is more than just preaching. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Leadership is about making decisions. It's about, it's about things there and you have to have strength of character or else you might be destroying people's lives and not helping them. All right? You may be destroying their life. So what's the prayer? When you are there, Job chapter 34, because you are not going chastisement. So Job 34 and verse 31. You start praying this unto God. Because what God wants to do, surely it is meet to be said unto God, I have borne a chastisement. I will offend no more. That which I see not, teach me. If I've done iniquity, I will do no more. Iniquity in scripture doesn't mean that you did some physical sin. It means you are missing the mark. The Greek word means missing the mark. In other words, we are missing the mark. So God is saying, I moved into another space. What you are doing is no longer acceptable unto me the way it has been done. We have to move to somewhere else. And you have to humble yourself before God in prayer that that which I see not, teach thou me. Where I am missing it, open my eyes that I may see it. And as you start praying that, that's what causes God, that's what brings about when the Bible says he caused his face to shine upon people. In other words, the face of God is the inward thoughts of God. What is inside his mind, he just opens it to you. you and it's a beautiful thing to start seeing the mind of God. Everything falls into place. He gives you the architecture of the next level. That is, the Holy Spirit begins to show you things to come. He takes the things of Jesus. He starts teaching you because of that prayer there, you know, of humility before God. That which I see not. Open my eyes. I mean, some Christians don't believe that. They believe once you are born again, your eyes have been opened. It can't be correct. If it is correct, then why did Paul pray in Ephesians 1? And says, since the day I heard of your faith and your love for the saints, I cease not. He says, since the day I heard, since the day I heard, 
read what he says. Since the day I heard, I cease not to give thanks and to, des- and to pray and to desire that God may give you. If God is giving you, then you don't have it. The spirit of wisdom and revelation that the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened. Look, the worst thing is to eat the tree of knowledge, not the tree of life. The tree of knowledge will give you knowledge but no manifestation. The tree of life gives results. And what the tree of knowledge does, it gives pride. You get puffed up for knowledge puffeth up. You see people that by every standard of scripture are beyond you but you believe you know more than them. You have eaten that tree? You believe. The reason why you believe is that they are manifesting power, but you say that when they said power, the actual word that they quoted means authority, not power. It's exousia, not, not dunamis. It's not. So, there, what God was saying was exousia. It came from the secular Greek. Is that what they sent you? Or, or that the blind see, the ears, deaf. Isn't that what they sent you to do? Did Jesus say, I'm sending you now to discuss the root Greek word? He said, look at these people suffering. Go and open blind eyes. Raise the dead. Did he tell you to be discussing? Do you understand what I'm saying? I say all these things to deliver young people. All right? To deliver, and I'm not intimidated, I'm not scared, I don't, I will say it. Are you from saying? I came from a word background. Let me tell you this. Look, if you, if it's a person who comes from your, you know, if, I mean, this is how you do it. If somebody, a snake bites a person, the solution to that to that poison is from the so is somebody in that word place that has your solution. If I'm saying, which we have we have discussed these things. <laughs> One day when I had a seminar, word seminar on campus, because I came from that background. I invited a man, I don't some of you don't know him, Reverend Collier, which he came up to teach. Ah, he said you've changed. He said you've changed. He said, you stayed on the pulpit for 20 minutes and you didn't quote a Greek word. You didn't quote any Hebrew word. He said, you have departed from the culture of this fellowship. You have changed. He said, when I sat down and you invited me and came to meet me, because he was reluctant, he said, I'm not coming. He said, he told me, I, 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 I went, sent somebody to Kano to bring him. He said, when I sat down and I listened to you and you didn't quote one Greek word, I knew you had changed. Not that I personally, because I didn't know him, but that the culture where I came from, that I wasn't doing that. All right? So study Greek in your closet. Do you understand what I'm saying? But when you come in public, speak English. Don't speak Greek. Even pigeon is better to speak pigeon. Don't say what you read. I, I, I have a fat book on Greek Hebrew. Fat, listen to me, prof, with professors. Yes, I use it to check. But when I preach, I don't quote it. Because Paul said, use words easy to be understood. You may be trying to impress people. 
are not trying to help them. Are you following what I'm saying? The key to having a powerful message is preach from what you practiced, not from what you read. When the demon came, did you quote Greek to the demon? <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> God forbid if a lion appears here now and starts charging towards you, will you say lion? The Greek word for what do you say? Jesus! <laughs> Deliver me. You won't be saying Greek. Alright? So how should you be? You should be somebody when you are teaching, even if a Greek scholar sits down and is listening. He knows you are speaking English, but you did not violate any of the Greek words. He knows. You know it. But you are not going there to impress anybody. So, you can study, for example, for example, I call because let me just quickly, for example, he says, by his stripes you are healed. In the Greek, that word is the word stripe, not stripes. It's not plural, it's singular. So, you can come, but, but the point is to get people healed. And some people have said, by, my, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. They got healed. The point is to get healed. So what happens next, therefore, is the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16 and verse 13. Let me just close here with this. John 16, 13. It says the Holy Spirit will, will, will guide you. He will speak to you. He will not speak of what your head shall speak. And he will do what? Show you things to come. So at that point, the Holy Spirit now begins to reveal and shows you things to come. Now, it is what he starts showing you. That is what you start saying. For we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit is of God that we may do what? Know those things that freely given to us, which things we do what? Speak. So you start speaking. Now, once you start saying it, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11. I'll just quote two scriptures here and close. It says, Jesus is the high priest. Now, the Holy Spirit will show you what? Good things to do what? To come. So Jesus is now become a high priest of what? Good things to come. So, Jesus is the one who is high priest over those things the Holy Spirit has shown you. He's high priest also over your confessions. So, your confessions now are the good things that are to come. You are now saying those things. In other words, you are now still in that space, but your language has now changed. Not by wishful thinking, but by revelation. My friend, in Christianity, you can't just name it and claim it. If the Holy Ghost cannot speak of himself, but that which he hears, he speaks, you can't speak of yourself. You, if the Holy Ghost cannot speak of himself, the Holy Ghost, who are you to come and just be talking? So you hear first and then speak. So he shows you what to come. And he says, that's what I have heard. These are the things to come. Now you start saying those things. So right there, your conversation, which means you start hearing Jesus now talking about 
what is going to happen when he's gone. What is going to happen at the right hand of the Father? What is going to... So you start talking. So you start talking. Let's say God is saying you are going global. You start talking global stuff. Everybody is looking at you. You start speaking at that particular level. But it's from Revelation. Now, once you start saying it, Psalm 103 verse 5 comes in. And it says that God will satisfy my mouth with those good things so that my youth is renewed as the ego. Psalm 103, verse 5. All right, so he satisfies my mouth with good things. All right, so these good things are not just food. These are the good things which are to come that he now places on your lips. And that is how the renewal now starts. Now, so what happens in the renewal? Let me just quickly say it. Quickly and close. Once you start saying things, Words are seeds. Words are seeds. Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, he wasn't talking about the size of the faith that he was trying to disempower you by saying, it's because you don't have faith as, as mother. Your faith is not even as small as a grain of mustard. Because if you had faith that tiny, that means you don't even have tiny faith. All right? He was saying, if you have faith, if you understand that, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, in other words, he said, the kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown, it becomes. In other words, if you don't plant this thing, it won't work. So he said, if you have faith, even if it's as tiny as a grain of, understand that it's a seed. He said, plant it. You want to move a mountain, plant that seed. How do you plant it? Say out of your lips. Once you start speaking, you are sowing seeds. That's why the Bible says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it, which means they that make use of it will eat the fruit. If you are eating the fruit, then it's the seed, of the, it's the seed that produces the fruit. So they that make use of it are eating the fruit. So words are seeds. So you plant. So don't expect your confessions to work the next morning. That has to be told people. Because we believe that if I just say it, and I just say it today, by tomorrow it should be happening. Don't expect it, but it works. It goes into the earth, it's planted, and one day that mountain is going to move if you water that seed. So here's what happens. When you start making the declarations about your future, the seed enters into the ground. Now, when a seed enters into the ground, something happens. Let me give an example here. When God told me that start doing multi-site campuses first time, He said you open here and then go from this place and then look. I said I don't think I heard God, which because I didn't see anybody do it. So I said I don't think I heard. Let me just continue what I'm doing. But it was inside my heart. So one day, a a lady, I, I heard they stole somebody's phone in church. And I just want to understand how God works. He prepares you for things. Okay? I just want to say this because it will help some of you. Because when we say we heard heaven, some of you think that God said, Porch, Porch, Peep, Porch, my son, Porch. It, sometimes it's not like that. God just helped you to connect the dots. So let me give an example. One day I was, I just during the COVID stuff, I 
Dr. Crevidola was having ministers come in. So I said, let me watch. So I was there watching. And he got to one point. He said, you know, with all this that is going on, um, you know, God has shown us something. So he just talked about the fact that, you know, some of you, you have space in your auditorium, you have an auditorium, something, and that some people may want to, smaller churches need help. They may want to make use of it. He just said something like that in passing and went on. But I heard it. So the next morning, I get a call from some old friend, and he says, look, we're trying to do a camp meeting, and we will, we're having a combined. He said, well, he said, we don't have space. Can we come and use your space at Yaba? The night before, I just heard Dr. Crefordola say it. The morning, somebody calls me. So I knew God was preparing me for what I was going to be asked. So when he asked, I said, I said to him, I said, just give me some time, I'll get back to you. It wasn't that I was going to to go and I knew he had it because God had spoken to me. How did God speak to me? Because of what I heard the night before and then. So I just checked it was free. I called him back. I said, it's free. So he was asking me, well, so what should I? I said, don't worry, don't worry. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. This is what happened last night. He said, are you serious? I said, yes. Okay. All right. So on this occasion, God said, you know, it's a So I said, no problem. So this lady's phone got missing. And somebody had just told me that Someone that came to church that she used to, uh, well, she came to church, not that she joined church, but she came. Um, I, I knew someone that knew, and we were talking, and she told me, ah, I said, Pastor Taiwo, that, you know, she, she had, well, she had gone through some things in her life. So, what happened was that, this was many years, this was about 20 years, she was on Third Midland Bridge, and Amdraba snatched her bag, and her salary was in her bag, and she had lost her parents, so she used to, she said, she just told Pastor Taiwo, he told her to come, came to the office, and he handed her exact same amount of her salary. And told her you can go. All right? So it touched me. So when I heard the next day, I'm just trying to show you how God is connecting things. The next day, or some, about two weeks after that, they stole somebody's phone in church. God reminded me of what Pastor Taiwo did. So I decided that, I said, go and tell you, get the model of the phone. So she got the model of the phone. So I bought it and I handed it to her. She said, thank you, and left. The next day she came with a book. She said, I was so touched by what you did that I just had to buy you this book, just to say thank you. And I said thank you. I have not read that book more than the first five pages. It was written by Bishop Keith Butler. I just opened it to the first page. He talked about grace for your assignment. As I read, it says, we were in Detroit. God spoke to me to go and start a church in Atlanta. So I told him, who am I going to send? He said, you are not sending anybody. You do your first service in Detroit enter into your jet and go to Atlanta for the second service. And so God told me, said, I'm telling you just to open in Ireland. You are telling me that it's not, can you see somebody flying from Detroit to Atlanta today? I shot the book because I had heard from heaven. And I announced we are now opening. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, here is the point I want you to get. This is where I'm going with it. I use that as an illustration. You know there are some seeds. If you plant a seed, you plant it into the ground. The seed needs sunlight to grow. You agree? The seed needs water to grow. You agree? Needs air to grow. You put it into the ground, it grows. But there are seeds that you sow in Nigeria, it grows. You go to Australia, you plant it. There's light, there's air, there's, there's water. It won't grow. You take that same seed. I want to show you something about why people fail. Take that same seed and put it in uh, Canada, it ain't growing. Bring that seed back, put it in Ghana, it grows. Because there's one factor. So when you are speaking your vision, you are planting that vision as a seed. Why doesn't it work sometimes? 
for people. And brother said, what's going on? What's going on? I prayed, I fasted, I did that. Because you have done the spiritual thing. You ask people, I'm telling this, you ask people, go to a church, you go there and listen to the person preach. This person can preach. Do they pray? They pray. Do they, I mean, do they, I, I know some people say that, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, a small church, uh, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, success is not about uh, people that come to church. I'm not saying anything, but all I just want to tell you that God said increase. What does increase mean? God was the one that started multiplication. We didn't start it. It's God that said multiply. Except multiplication doesn't mean multiplication. It's God that started it. This issue of numbers is God that started numbers. He's the one that said 3,000 were added. Then we said, what? 3,000? He's the one that started. 5,000 were added. It's God that was using numbers. To show that there is blessing. It's not us that started it. It's God that started multitudes. Followed Jesus and thronged. We did not start it. So I'm not saying, I'm just telling you that read the Bible. Don't take ideas from outside. What the Bible says is blessing is what is blessing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. And if you call for a meeting, there are 10 people, and you call for another meeting, you see 1,000 people, people are turning back, and you are happy. Your heart is saying that that is the right thing. Don't curse your heart. I say it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Do you get what I'm saying here? Okay. So when you plant it into the ground, your vision, why is it, you know, and I'm saying this here, people pray to do that. Let me tell you why people miss it in ministry. You plant it into the ground, why is it not working? Because the reason why that seed will work in, grow in Nigeria and not grow in Canada is that apart from rain, which is revelation, air, and sunlight, every seed needs certain nutrients from the ground. If that ground does not have the nutrients, it's not coming out. So once you put a seed in, what happens is that the seed looks for the nutrients in the earth, pools. If those nutrients are not there, the water and all of that cannot cause that seed to grow. You have to take it and plant it where the nutrients are. So here is the key. What you are saying, that seed therefore needs nutrients. It's not from heaven, it's on this earth. In other words, it needs certain information that is in existence on the earth that you know those things in order for it to germinate. So what happened with me was that, and this is what happens with so people, there are people, this is no longer God, People must tell you things. History that is embedded in this, heart, in this earth must minister to you. This is where, where people have mentors. It works. Because mentors have institutional knowledge. People that read books. People that investigate what is going on. When I started my church, the very thing that is your promotion can make you think you are discouraged. I was preaching, only young people were coming. I heard somebody on television, a prominent minister, he said, if in your church is only young people coming to that church, he says, no old people are, he said, it doesn't look like God is inside that church. He said it on television. And I heard him and my heart sank. And I said, listen to me, was I supposed to do, am I supposed to do this? Then one day I picked up Billy Graham's book and I turned. And he said, when I started my ministry there, only young people were coming to our ministry from the campuses. He said, let me tell you this, if young people are coming to your ministry, it tells you your ministry is the ministry of the future. The ministry that owns the future will be attracting young people now. One told me I was dying, the other told me I have the future. Is what you know. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can be discouraged on your promotion. 
if someone doesn't give you information. So what happened was, what happened that the seed is trying to get that information from the earth. I am talking about information on this earth. Even when the angel appeared to Cornelius, the angel was already telling Cornelius, the angel said, go and send for one. Why didn't the angel tell Cornelius this stuff? Go and send for one. Even when Jesus appeared to Paul, he said somebody will come. Jesus didn't tell him everything. So people will bring information to you. Now, this is why you need to be praying that which I see not teach me. Because if you are not praying it and they bring the information, it will be repulsive to you. Because there's a way that seems right unto a man, the end thereof is death. In other words, the way that will take you to life seems wrong. So what happened to Moses? Moses parted the Red Sea. Who gave him the information to sustain his ministry? God didn't give him. Jethro came. Moses parted the Red Sea. Moses parted. Miracles. Jethro comes to you and says, you are managing your ministry wrong. You should look at Jethro. Who? Jethro. Me. Is it because I used to tend sheep? What experience do you have to be telling this anointed man and he will have died prematurely? So there is information on the earth. Once you start speaking words, that information starts coming because your seed is pulling it. Books are coming. People are coming. Look, I got breakthrough in 2004. All right? And, and, I, I, and I went on television and bam! I got a breakthrough. But the truth about the matter was, six years before that, my mother came to the congregation. It was a midweek service I was preaching. She entered and sat in. We were about 40 people. She was listening to me, and she got up at some point and went. She came to do, um, as an examiner in Luth, and she left. I didn't see her until three months after I went to Ibadan. She said, I did not know you could preach. She said, you can preach. She told my father, I said, you need to go and hear your son. This dude can preach. Said, your son can preach. She said, what is in your congregation does not reflect what you teach. She said, the only reason is that people don't know what you teach. They need to know in Lagos. Go and do it. I said, what? She said, go on television. Said, she told me, she said, go on television. She wasn't speaking in tongues, nothing, anything. I didn't even know why she was born again. She said, go on television. You see what will happen. I said, listen, I'm the anointed man led by the Holy Ghost. I prayed to the Lord. I prayed to the When I went on television, I broke through. She said, she'll be more software. In other words, didn't I tell you? That means God already brought the information seven years before. Seven years of frustration because I didn't listen to the earth. Some things come from heaven as rain, but some things come on the earth as nourishment. Let me tell you this. When I started ministry to save some of you, I put the ministry at Yaba 400 because it was close to the campus because I was a president on the campus fellowship. What was going subconsciously when I wanted to access the people in the ministry there? I suffered. I went to see Bishop Oedepo. He just used style. He said, must your church be there? Move it. He was saying something to me. Deep. I didn't know. Move it. I said, if I move this thing, all the people in the church were unilag people. In fact, somebody came one day and said, I don't understand when people say they are finding it difficult to join, get into the church. Someone said, I don't know. I said, I, I sat at a leadership meeting. I said, all of you here, and I still told them yesterday, I said, were either graduates of Unilag or you married somebody from Unilag. That's how you accessed inside. You became an insider here. It was a Unilag caucus. 
So this person that came to the church, in fact, what she told me that she, she used to go to a fellowship in the faculty CLF then. So she came to the service and she said, ah, it was nice service, but it feels like a campus fellowship. Because by placing it there and drawing students, I had brought a spirit that was now on that congregation. To let that spirit go was going to be crisis. I struggled on that. Even when I went on television, people will hear me and say, the day you leave that place, we are coming to your church. What is going on? When we opened in another center, then in Lagoon, then people, all right? Now other types of woods started coming. Then I understood that, hold it. And I labored under that thing. Now somebody else will come and just give you simple information which is, and that's what you call nutrients on the earth, which is life-saving. I just tell you. I, I, mean, I mean, people don't get this. You come out and you say, uh, uh, you, the name of your ministry is in Greek. Now, you, and then you say, God gave me that name in Greek. Look, my friend, there is nothing that Look, Judah means praise. Praise means Oluwatoni. It's the same thing. But the Yoruba man won't know what Judah is. But if you put Oluwatoni, the Yoruba man gets it. So if your congregation is among them, just put that. You are, so if God says, call it Judah, if he says, call it praise, right? You now go there and say, and it doesn't mean that what he said is just telling you that let your so I told this I said, what this is? I said, if people look at it, they can't get the vision of your ministry from your name. House of David, you know what you should expect. You should know. Sword of the Spirit ministry, you know that they are dealing with the Rema word of God. You know that where the word sword of the spirit is used was used in prayer. You know they are praying people. And by just hearing the name, you know what you are entering. Your name, nobody knows what we are going, getting ourselves involved. You must never confuse people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah? There are things that people just simply tell you and say, look, do it like this. Do this. Do this. And in anything you do in life, all right? Even if God spoke to you and said, what's the name of your husband? Jack. The day he told me, Jay, I was just saying, Jack, Jack, and you got it right. You still need advice of people on this earth of marriage to make that marriage work. Do you get what I'm saying? Or else you will say, I heard God wrong. You didn't hear God wrong. Is that the seed needs what? Nourishment. God bless you all. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice that which you have spoken to them place an eternal seal upon them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to this message. You can join us for any of our services on Sundays by 8 a.m. and 10 a.m., Wednesdays by 7 p.m., or you can pray with us on Saturdays by 7 a.m. at Praise Sanctuary, number 7, Surulere Industrial Road, 
of Adeni Jones Ikeja, Lagos. You can also follow us on social media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Mixlr. Or visit www.householdofdavid.org for more messages. God bless you.